Just hit it. Will you, for the love of God, just hit it. <laughs> Welcome to Show Center, the Air Show podcast of Air Show announcer Matt Jolly, joined as always by the most professional names in the business air show announcer rick peterson and air show announcer extraordinaire rob Ryder. hey i gotta i gotta hand it to you guys the other day i was playing around in the book of faces and our friend abe roman remember abe of course i know okay so here's here's what abe abe commented on a post that rob made with wayne boggs the two of you together he says the best of the best three (laughs) exclamation points Three exclamation points. Well, that's that's Rick, very that's very kind of him. Rick says, "So good to be back." Pictures of the snowbirds. Abe Roman. Yep. Abe Roman post. No one better. One. Ooh. One exclamation point. So no, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna have to have. I was gonna take it up with him, but the you know two thing. One, he's a marine. Yeah, he'll kill you. He's a, just, he's, he, he's a bodybuilder. He's a bodybuilder. He's ripped. He, you know, just for fun, they they ran out of dumbbells uh, while I was at Iwakuni in Japan, and he just uh, pressed me about ten times. So he is, I love uh, Abe. Abe, if you're listening, we're glad uh, we're we're glad you're around. And ah, uh, oh, what fun! It, we yeah. we do have a guest today. Darcy Brewer is going to be on, yeah. and uh, just before we get to Darcy. Uh, do we w- we want to dive right into prop wash because some of the biggest news in prop wash in the air show industry yes. is that Rick yeah. actually had an air show this that's, last weekend. That's it. I'm working again. Yeah. That's it's beautiful. It's unbelievable, but I'm 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 working again, and it felt great. Uh, the Canadian International Air Show in Toronto. Uh, they got the perfect weather for it. Uh, we had Bayo there with the F-35. Uh, we had the CF-18. Uh, Deluxe was there. And uh, Dan did a, a great job out over the water. The snowbirds back and dedicating uh, their season and that beautiful heart that they draw in the sky to Jen Casey. And it, it all came together. Gord Price. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum. But most of all, they live streamed it to keep it safe. Outdoor events. Uh, as things open up uh, here in Canada, outdoor events are a lot safer, of course. Um, and to help with the social distancing, uh, they extended, made it free to the public and extended the viewing line down the lakeshore, almost 16 kilometers long. Wow. Which is incredible. And it was packed. They had What's lots that, of 11 people. miles? Something like that. Yeah, wow. I'm not, I can't wow. do the conversion that fast. Whatever. And, uh, and of course, then offered the live stream of it as well. And the extended reach on that was just through the roof. Uh, we had the Red Arrows watching live. And, uh, and of course, Adam char- chirping in every now and then uh, with some comments and some texting. And uh, and just worldwide reach on it, too. So everybody was happy with that. And most of all, I was because I'm back at work again. And that's just fun. And uh, and I know it's going to sound like we're rubbing it into Matt now because he still hasn't. You're not oh, there but yet. Listen, right? listen, I, I, I've got a big one coming up. I'm looking forward to it, and I'll we'll this we'll talk is, more about. We're this. talking about a big one. It's yeah, going to we'll be very very big for you yeah. guys. Right. That's yeah. going to be amazing. We'll, we'll so, talk uh, about it in a little while, but I want to get keep up with well, PropWatch it, it, because it, there is just, some other just, news. This is it. I did, it. and I wanted to say the Canadian International Air Show posted a picture of me, which was very kind of them because it's never about me. It's about the performers and all that stuff. But they posted a shot of me and just said the formerly out of work air show announcer Rick Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was they just... must be listening to. No, they must great. be listening. To they us. do. They do. Which is very kind. Scooter was there too, by the way. And Scott Yoke wanted us on on his podcast. He wanted to sit down and record with me on the Saturday night in Toronto. And uh, and uh, 
somehow it never worked out. And I, I didn't feel comfortable doing it without you guys anyway. Because uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't feel right. comfortable doing it with you on that show. I mean, <laughs> you've listened <laughs> to his show, haven't you? Wow. Yes, I have I, not yet heard his it's show. Scooter, Is it good? It's Is it Scooter wonderful? Tells All. It's, it's a, it's a and deep it's right. and, and, and unlike our friend Matt, who has this obsession about family entertainment, uh, he doesn't really edit anything. So if it, <laughs> if it, goes, it, it goes. If it hits, it sticks. Yeah, I love Scott. Oh, my uh, gosh. Golly. In what the prop fun. watch, though, we should also point out that Toro is Toro married yet? It was either this weekend or next or something. It's coming, but I don't our, know. It's coming because he did the tuxedo fitting last week, and then somehow they he doesn't have a cast or anything. But uh, as you know, our F-16 uh, demonstration pilot at the United States Air Force had a mishap uh, trying to stay fit because they've got to stay fit. Uh, did a, a head plant, a face plant into a tree or something on his uh, on his cross country uh, downhill off road mountain bike. And uh, and he's on the mend, and hopefully we'll join uh, the circuit again by Fleet Week in San Francisco. So that's what uh, in October we're hoping. And in the meantime, the United States Air Force is switching around some assets to you know to make up for it. And it looks like Gatineau up here in Canada will benefit from that, in that they'll have the F-22 demonstration uh, this coming weekend, which is far better than what Tora could have brent brought or sent. Uh, <laughs> case wow oh boy wow right yes. off the high road kind there I'm you talk, go I'm talking about kindness i'm kidding i am kidding rob is well. uh rob is out there at in Idaho, maine still he, we saw him earlier he he chimed in on uh on video and, and you're out in the field a field i'm with sitting birds outside and, our main house with, uh, with uh, actually with a lot of dragonflies who are consuming uh, a number of the uh, state bird of Maine, the mosquito. Yeah, eat uh, them up. Well, you look great. For the sake of accuracy and telling the whole story, what did you say to Jill that made you have to go outside? We <laughs> <laughs> didn't think of that. Yeah. This is a perfectly cloudless day okay. here, and we're going on bike rides later. Not on a, a downhill mountain bike, I promise you, but uh, we're going to do that later. But uh, we're going to be at Pease uh, Air National Guard Base uh, this weekend in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So we will leave the island uh, as of the time of this recording in another 24 hours and head down to New Hampshire for the weekend with Wayne Boggs and Scooter and the Thunderbirds and Bill Brock and who else? Um, Mike Wiskus, Greg Collier and uh, the KC-46 demo uh, or at least flybys from the new Air Force tanker. And you know. Sonic Belgium and they have <laughs> the show in Belgium features... Everybody, everybody over there. Listen to these lineups, though. I mean, except you, except for you, Rick. This has been your one of your staple shows for a decade, I think. It has. And sadly, I had to report because of the travel conditions and all of that stuff. uh, I had to report to them this year that I wasn't able to travel to Belgium. And uh, because, uh, you know, you want to give them fair enough notice that they can make up, you know, any changes and things like that. So we agreed that I will be back next year. Uh, That's but good. This year, I couldn't do it this year, and it's going to break my heart because it's just such a wonderful place for hospitality and and exciting things and different things. And I was going to meet up with Adam and the Red Arrows again, and we were going to pick up where we left off when they uh, left North America. And that that well, that's a bit scary. But th- it was going to be uh, <laughs> it was going to be a wonderful weekend. Instead, I'll be Gatineau this weekend, which is really close to home for me. It's almost in my backyard. And uh, and I'm just going to drive up to that and work with my uh, my French Canadian friend Michel Benoit because that's a a, a show in Quebec and uh, 
uh, it'll be primarily mostly in Quebec or mostly in French and I'll I'll be there to entertain some of the uh, information in English so in Quebecese sad. there you go all right Quebecese. let's it. get right into Darcy Brewer who is standing by on the phone from California where it's very very early and uh, she's kind enough to join us in between feeding the mini donkeys and the horses she has a menagerie out there Darcy are you are you there can you hear us <laughs> I am. Good morning, Matt Dolly. Well, we're glad to have you there. And the uh, California Capital Air Show right around the corner. Ricky Peterson will be there. And uh, yeah. and who else? Because every show this year has these all-star lineups. It's like everybody well, in the woodwork is coming out. Well, we're part of that team, too. We've got the Thunderbirds. We've got the Snowbirds. We've got the F-35. We've got the F-18 demo. We've got um, our neighbors. To the north with Ed Beal with U2s and P-38s and just over to the west a little bit. Travis is coming with their famous parade of heavies to cast a shadow over the state capital region. We love it. California Air National Guard will be playing a big role with some of their units. Heritage Flight will be a lightning strike of F-35 and P-38. The Red Bull Trio, Top Gun, Jim Pites, our friend from South Dakota that we couldn't do a show without. Kent Peach and uh, our friends down south from Plains of Fame are going to be doing a big number to honor a movie they just wrapped filming. Is that enough? My yeah. goodness. I'm yeah. worn out just hearing about it. <laughs> and and well, this is a four-day show. Up, so. Dar- Darcy, it's this a- is a four-day show for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we did move to three days because, you know, with that thing that happened over the last year and a half, uh, we've cut our capacity out of respect for everybody's health and and uh, our public and health officials who are doing a great job here. And uh, so we moved to three days to accommodate public demand. Well, I think that's, that's, that's very responsible idea. of you, and it's it's certainly ethical. That brings up that you are the chair of the Ethics Board. I mean, I'm hearing good stuff about you, Darcy Brewer. You're a real mover and a shaker <laughs> within the industry and within the International Council of Air Shows. Oh, you know, you're, you're just a, you're a perfect person to have in that job. Talk to us a little bit about the, the work that you do to give back to the community, because a lot of folks who don't know you, they only know you in your role at the California Capital Air Show, but you do so much more than that for our community. Well, thanks for asking, because it's what drives us uh, 100%. We believe that every air show should be missionized to serve its community, and, and I'll tell you, there's so many out there doing such a great job. Um, in truth, we've got this massive 3,000 acres and three days this year of uh, this year of entertainment and man, every community needs their spirits lifted, but <clears throat> it's a really great opportunity for workforce development. And we say that sort of, you know, quietly because it's not exciting, you know, thrills, chills and jaw dropping excitement is what sells tickets. But the truth is all of us are producing a massive career day, um, all STEM based showing all the different jobs that are going to be available in the next 10, 20 years for these kids. And, um, and if we're not, if we're not putting our all into that, as simple or as complex as we choose, then we, we've kind of missed our mark. So we go around and talk about how to how to turn your air show into something that really benefits your community, really is a part of the fiber of the community, and uh, and making sure that these employees get the best talent possible and these kids get the best education possible to get the great jobs, the high-paying jobs that are in aviation and aerospace and, and related fields. So... That's what we're committed to. Um, everything that we do here in Sacramento uh, falls under inspiring the next generation. And we do that through uh, internship programs and scholarships, which is what our nonprofit was, was originally designed for. Mentor programs. All our board members are required to do career day shadowing and fun things like that with kids. And, 
and we really focus on the kids that don't even have these opportunities very often. Um, and then prior to COVID, we uh, spend all spring and summer doing year-round STEM programs, using these hangars at gi- as giant classrooms uh, to bring in kids uh, for free and learn about all the cool jobs out there by flying drones or simulators or whatever it takes. And and we don't expect everybody to become a pilot or a maintainer or go into the military, although those are excellent choices. We expect everybody to get up every morning and uh, go to their excellent job and feel as passionate about what they do as we do here at Maker Earth. I I'm get I get off, just exhausted listening to Darcy describe the amount of work that goes into this. Not enough that she gets up early in the morning to feed all the farm animals and everything at the menagerie. I do. And then, and then goes in and puts in a full day at work, you know, on, on what they're doing. And that's getting really busy as they get closer to the date. But then you're, you're helping out all the other shows, too, that you help with. You're liaison all the time with ideas and brainstorming. Talk to me about that. Well, it keeps us energized. I think that, um, you know, the collaboration that we have in this industry uh, and really all it takes is picking up the phone and asking for help, advice, or offering it is um, – is unequaled in any other industry. I've never seen it. Um, and, uh, you know, all across the country, uh, air show organizers and performers and service providers all get on the phone and talk to each other. Hey, what'd you do? Or have you ever encountered this? Or, uh, you know, and uh, I've only been around for, you know, a little over 13 years, but I can tell you every time I go to another show or talk to another organizer, I learn something new about how to do something better here for, uh, for the fans in Sacramento. So it's, pretty darn wonderful. I've, uh, I made some missteps <laughs> in the early years. And if I can share uh, those details with someone else or are any of our team members can, then maybe we can save them a step and make their lives a little easier and make their show a little more successful to deliver their mission to, uh, to their public. So, um, it's not like there's another air show in Sacramento. I mean, we're all spread out across North America and and beyond, we we uh, all of us on the on the call right now get to spend time with people overseas and learn what they're doing. Rick mentioned the hospitality in Belgium, and I can back that up. I've only seen it in video, but those are some pretty awesome people, and they're all across the all across the globe. And we should all lock arms, especially this year, and uh, do the best job we can do for um, a whole bunch of fans who need it. They've been locked up. And uh, they should come outside in a safe environment outdoors and watch some airplanes fly and be excited. That's what we're going to do in 20 days. (laughs) Will there be Mounties there? (laughs) (laughs) there, A lot of people don't know about California. It's kind of like, uh, I would dare say even more so than Florida, because with Florida, it's just retirees and and vacationers. But there are a lot of Canadians that work in California. They work in the high-tech industries. And uh, when the snowbirds, uh, yeah, when they're down there, the council gets involved. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple of Mounties in their red surges as part of that. Uh, well, we're going to definitely put you on the planning team because we haven't had any Mounties. But the council general in San Francisco and oftentimes in L.A. play a big role in hospitality and making sure that, uh, that everybody has good time and understands sort of the economy of Canada and the United States and, um, and you know, the history going back for it you know, a century. And I, we love working with them. They're going to be in full force here and they love it. When Rick is announcing the show, we've done it before in a couple different languages and, and it's a lot of fun. Darcy, what is it as chair of the ethics committee? What is it that 
you do. I've, yeah, I've, I know that the ethics committee uh, tries to keep an eye on what people are doing right and what some people may not be doing right. But what does that job entail for you? Well, I could tell you all, but then I'd have to kill you. Um, no, so the ethics committee. It wouldn't the be ethics ethical. Committee, <laughs> the ethics committee uh, is a team of sort of veteran uh, air show folks from all different categories of the air show industry. Um, been around a long time. I love them. Uh, probably the reason I stay is because of the people that I, uh, or I've stayed so long is because of the people I get to work with. But the ethics committee is more of um, more of a response to uh, any claim that might be made or, um, you know, any issue that might arise. We actually don't go looking for issues because there haven't been that many and I've been involved for a number of years. Um, but we take the ICAS, the International Council of Air Shows bylaws and um, issues come before us from time to time. Buddy wasn't upholding uh, the integrity that we all, you know, conduct ourselves with and we decide uh, what to do about it and if it's, if it's so. So uh, again, we haven't seen a lot of issues you know, one or two here or there. Um, but ICAST takes um, the conduct of its members very seriously and um, and professionalism is key and, and we try and make sure that that's always the case. And keeps, nope. the, uh, keeps our industry strong. Nobody gets jail time on this kind of stuff, but I mean, you can, you can be drummed Not yet. out. Of, yeah, you can be drummed <laughs> out, of, out of the association, which in, in some cases... Uh, is the deciding factor or the the issuing, I guess, uh, entity for uh, for some of the credentials that you need to work in the industry. We want ethical people in Darcy, of course, is the chairwoman of that, and uh, you do sit on the board of directors uh, as a result of that chair uh, chairmanship there. Well, thank you, Darcy, for your work on that. Uh, as well, the integrity of what we uh, of what we like to like to maintain here among all of us who are members, uh, you know, when somebody is, somebody decides that he or she wants to do something that is more self-serving or potentially even, well, unethical. Thank you for your work. Yeah. Well, thanks. I'm just here to serve. And sometimes it's just a mistake and uh, sometimes it can be solved with a conversation. So that's what the committee's here to decide. And uh, again, we don't see things very often uh, for the number of members we have and the number of miles they cover. It's, it's just a uh, few and far between, and we're very proud to say that. So, I want to talk mm-hmm. about flight schools. Can can I just jump in here real quick and, and get you, you to that's talk? Gonna, yeah. <laughs> well, say that's that's where we get her from. And I, uh, yeah. no one ever asked that. Yeah, let's talk about it because you you have this this really you know I'm I'm anyway you have a really great I was going to say something else but you have a really great I'll just leave it there flight school up there in California. Talk to us uh, about how you I got do. into this because it's it's such a great story. So we've had the flight school about 16 years um, and it is in charming and historic Auburn, California at about 1,500 feet below the snow and above the fog. Um, <laughs> established in 1934, the airport, not the flight school. We, uh, we opened in about 2005 and uh, it's pretty wonderful. We we make uh, baby fighter pilots, and we make uh, we often see our kids end up at Shepherd, and that's pretty cool. Um, but um, we serve all of Northern California. We have about a dozen airplanes, about fifteen instructors, and 
Uh, I don't see it very much. I haven't for the last 13 years. I've been a little busy down the hill with this thing. and uh, but, but it's very similar. So um, having the flight school, the reason it opened was to inspire the next generation and make sure they knew what was possible. And when I was recruited for this job by one of the board members of the California Capital Air Show at the time, he, uh, he sort of fibbed me and said, hey, it's exactly what you're doing now with your career days at schools and your airport tours for kindergartners and you know, your internship programs for high school kids and your scholarships and that sort of thing. It's going to be exactly the same. No, it's not. (laughs) Not (laughs) It's a little bit more work, I must say. Uh, But the flight school was up and running on its own. And I have a terrific business partner that uh, we've never disagreed on a single issue. And uh, he's a retired F-15 driver and he and his wife are lovely. And one of us are always there to solve any problem that might arise and and again with that there's very few it's just a lot of fun uh, more of a community service than anything else but um when i do retire from the air show industry i'll probably eat jelly beans all day and just teach little kids how to fly especially young girls because i got involved in this because i took an intro flight when i was 16 17 years old and i jumped out of the airplane and i had that look that we all know um you know my smile hooked over my ears and I couldn't forget what it was like, and I was in this orange Piper, you know, with tweed interior, and, you know, like so many of us started in. Uh, I, I will tell you, I still fly some of that, uh, some of those aircraft today. But, um, and some guy, you know, some hangar flyer was out at the airport, and he said, how'd you like it? And I said, I'm going to be a pilot. And he goes, oh, well, that you girls can't be pilots, and you got to be rich to own an airplane. And, uh come to find out neither of those things he said were true. And I want to make sure that other little girls know that uh, if someone tells them no about anything, that it's probably just not true. So how many have you uh, sent to Alaska? Because I know you, you have a propensity uh, for sending I'm not doing young that girls anymore. to Alaska. So. I'm not doing that anymore. So here's <laughs> right. what happens. I take my interns to Alaska. I take the flight school staff as a, you know, sort of a bonus to Alaska every summer to my friend Don Lee's at Christensen Lake. And we do a little float flying. We do a little bush flying. And, you know, we go up on Denali and we land on riverbeds. And it's so cool. But here's the problem. I've taken, I don't know how many kids there, and they don't come back. My <laughs> my very good friend who has a flight school in uh, Talkeetna, Alaska, ends up keeping them. And they live in lofts in the maintenance hangar. And they, you know chase bears and moose and and uh and here's what's happening so these interns of mine i've had about 30 of them um over the last 13 years just in this job and we require if you come back a second year that you got your pilot's license so you're not considered for a awful uh internship that doesn't pay but it builds an awesome resume that'll separate you from the herd for the rest of your life but if you want to come back for a second year for that type of use you have to get your pilot's license and most of the kids that come into our office are i by no means in a financial position to do that so we teach them how to wash the belly of a greasy airplane or you know put parts away or you know, whatever it takes so that they can get or win a right uh, essay so moving that you get a scholarship uh, from the 99s or one of the organizations to get your pilot's license. And then you, and you fly some, you know, ugly, bright yellow Cessna 150 and you get your pilot's license and it changes you forever. You may or may not go into, uh, into aviation as a career, but you are not the same as the other kids applying for whatever it is, a job or school or what have you. And and so that value is very important to us. So 
Uh, but I take these kids to Alaska and they see um, this lifestyle and I, I can name quite a few and some of you guys know some of them. And then they just plain don't come back when I'm flying for Chevron on the North Slope and a twin otter and, uh, you know, they're flying cargo, they're flying floats, they're flying bush planes. And so I'm not taking them anymore because my interns have gotten themselves into positions because they're amazing that I'm jealous of them. And I've just had it. <laughs> I've had it with these kids, these kids and their, you know, stardom. Uh, I'm just done. Isn't it funny? <laughs> you, you said something that just did brought back a memory to me you said you know that you fly some ugly little Cessna 150 the yellow or whatever and I yeah. thought I thought you know Pete Fusco one of the greatest aviation authors of all time writes uh, about the Piper Cub with with one yellow wing and one blue wing that he yeah. and it's the you know the Didn't ugly little Piper Cub something like that? well I we did and I think that there's something lost now if you drive around these flight schools today they're all super yeah, high tech. Yeah, got a tech. glass panel, oh my whatever. Goodness. Flying a Cirrus as your primary yeah. trainer. Boy, I never had access to anything like that until mm. I was a grown-up. Oh, Boy, do terrible. we sound old. We yeah. really sound old. <laughs> well, but I, you know, I think there's something I think there's something to that, though. I, I really do. And I think, I think the folks that Darcy just described, um, that's the difference, in my opinion, between an aviator and a pilot. Yes, sir. Well, they are I, not yeah, slaves to the, they are not yeah. slaves to the magenta line. That's it. Drag right. the cub out T hanger. Drag drag the cub out of a T hanger and on the run up have mice fall down onto your lap. That's right. That's flying. Yeah, that that's is. how you <laughs> yeah. flying on a budget, right? But you know, I, I Darcy, you bring up a good point, and I, I think this is what everyone certainly who listens to this show knows. But I think it's I think it's what so many people don't get, and it's exactly the way that you discovered aviation is that if you want to do this, really, the the secret to aviation is just showing up. I showing mean, if you, up. If you show <laughs> up, it just opens all these doors, and nobody seems to get that. And that's what air shows do, right? They allow right. people to just show up. Sure. Oh. Wow. Well, yep. And think about these air shows. I, I So we're doing a STEM expo. We have so many female assets this year, and I hate to keep talking about the girls because it's really for everyone, but why waste a good thing? We've got Bayo flying. We've got uh, rocket scientists right down the street. We've got so many women supporting uh, the Thunderbirds this year from all walks of life, which is very, I mean, exceptional role models under the, under the title of if you can see it, you can be it. And, um, you know, every single air show is just riddled with role models. And all it takes is one conversation with a 10-year-old with one of these people or sitting on the ground and having some popcorn or a funnel cake or whatever you want to do at an air show that could literally change their life, change their education trajectory, career trajectory, uh, you know, in just an hour spent with a kid. So nobody should waste that opportunity. And I think all these performers understand it 100%. Um, and, and so do the show organizers. It's just that connection that makes a difference and can change the world forever. One student at a time is what we're all doing for a living, which is probably why nobody's rich. But, uh, it sure feels good when you put your head on the pillow at night, you know? I couldn't yeah. agree there, is, there is a story that, that I heard. I think it was Golden Knight David Echeverry. When he was a kid, he was one of the folks who was able to retrieve one of the streamers, one of the wind drift indicators that uh, they toss out on their first pass. And he got that wind drift indicator and said, I am going to become a Golden Knight. And he is. That's just great. Yeah. One of just many stories like that we hear. Yeah. There's so many. We'll never be able 
to, to measure, to accurately measure every story that the air show industry has, has provided like that. I think about it all the time. How do we track our impact? And, and it's just impossible to do, but all of you have found some kid who, you know, and a parents, grandparents took them to a show. And now I see them all the time. They're flying U2s up at Beale and, and they, they met Max Moga in 2007. Now they're squadron commander at Beale. And all it took was that one conversation, you know, how many years ago and now look what they've done with their life because someone inspired them and they dreamed of being something, um, something amazing. And, and most of them are unsung heroes, but heroes nonetheless, it's cool. And, and especially those people in the air show industry, again, not making millions, going around every weekend and flying for the thrill of the crowd and sitting on the ground with the kids signing an autograph and, and telling them how they got there. It's pretty darn so, cool. So. so important that the connections made uh, through the pandemic, we found some different and unusual ways to present shows. The drive-in format's mm -hmm. been one of them. And some of yeah. these and over the water, but what's what's missing in a lot of these things is that connection via the displays, the static displays, the extra displays yeah. that you put on the ground to connect these kids to engineering yeah. and, and mathematics and other things like that. So sure. I'm hoping as we come out of this that things become a little more traditional again, that it's the less about selling the tickets and, and getting yeah. all the people and making the room for them, but to continue to make that connection, right? Yeah, and that's, well, that's what that's, we're missing. On, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that's something that Kevin Walsh did at Thunder Over Michigan this year. He had a, a, a had his drive-in format, but then you could walk around and see the static display aircraft. In this case, yeah. 14 B-25 Mitchell bombers. And so, yeah, that's, I think, Rick, you've really tapped onto something that we don't want to totally lose the tradition of, of those static display aircraft in the in the in the midst of trying to make things more comfortable for the spectators. Well, but we've been talking about this. Right. We're going to see two different <laughs> types of shows emerge, right? We're going to see the more traditional show where you have statics and you have <clears throat> airplanes that you can see, touch and feel. And then we're going to have these entertainment venues uh, that right. are just, that are just that they're just aerial entertainment. Well, I think that's what we're and seeing. People, the response, if you look at Brian Lilly shows, the response to the drive-ins last year and some of the other shows that are doing it or, Many of the shows are doing a hybrid. The response is overwhelmingly positive. People are loving having an option. In Sacramento on Friday, because we knew we were going to sell out, right? We've never had, you guys uh, have all been to the show, or Matt knows enough about it, and, uh, like, we're never going to sell out. Um, certainly not of general admission, but uh, with the capacity now and the fact that people have been pent up in their houses for two years, we were, we were very nervous we wouldn't be able to accommodate our fans, so we moved in to adding that third day. But that third day is very different. It is a drive-in on our West Fargo ramp that holds about 10,137 cars. Not that I'm nerdy or anything. Um, and we, we've sort of cut that back a little bit. But um, that show is going to be all military flying. None of our civilian performers are flying. And it's support local small business and pick up your air show picnic on the way. Go to our website and hit the link and figure out what flavor you want and what the location is for the 30 restaurants that are supporting us, or I'm not sure of the number and, uh, and pick up your airshow picnic and come on out and park your car. And, you know, and we're seeing that all across North America. And, uh, and it's for those, it's designed for those who didn't get a chance to get a ticket when we went on sale or for those who aren't ready to gather yet. Um, or for those who are looking for something different, the music, the narration, the flying is going to be, 
completely different than Saturday and Sunday. There's stuff flying on Friday because it's coming in during our waiver to arrive that won't be flying on Saturday and Sunday. And we're excited to hear what the fans have to say about it. So maybe we'll do it again. I don't know. Great stuff. Nice. Well, we got it. We got to cut it loose here. We're all out of time, Darcy. Oh, but she, we'll... she spoke. She spoke about restaurants in the yeah. end. The uh, one of the most. Here we go again, Rick. <laughs> go, go ahead. We're so over time. Amazing. She did. Uh, was uh, one of the one of the first times that I socialized uh, with Darcy and her husband after uh, the event down in Sacramento, killing some time between her show and, and Fleet Week. I, pre- I preferred saying the Sacramento area than San Francisco because of the price of the hotel. Well, there you go. But, but uh, she she invited me up into the uh, I forget the name of the little town that you've lived near Darcy, uh, but Plasterville, I still I'll never up in the Sierra Foothills, about forty five minutes from South Lake Tahoe. Right, and as I'm as I'm parking there, I'm thinking, what the hell has she got me into? Because I'm literally parking underneath a hanging man. There's this dude <laughs> hanging from a noose, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is this all about? And uh, and apparently that's now become some kind of politically incorrect. Is the is the hanging man still there? And just briefly, why is he there? So we are. So I live up in the foothills between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe, which has been sort of a fiery area lately. So that's a whole nother uh, conversation. Oh. But Hangtown was the county seat uh, during the gold rush. So that's where decisions were made about bad behavior. Uh, much like the ethics committee, although I think they were quite a bit busier and <laughs> their, uh, their sanctions were maybe a bit more harsh. And, uh, and literally if you stole somebody's gold, uh, or their mules, then they would hang you, uh, uh near the bell tower. And so uh, there's a lot of controversy over whether honoring the history of how our town was formed should still be talked about or whether we should just bury that and and not scare small children. So uh, I don't get involved because I don't actually live in Placerville, but it is a darling main street. The only thing that's changed since 1850 is there's cars, not horse and buggies anymore. Uh, but um, I like living in, in, in a small town environment. It's cute to watch them argue over something that they're so passionate about. And you oh, do yeah. see the hangman hanging in front of the ice cream parlor, which is an unusual place to be. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, Darcy, thanks for coming on. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We've been out of time, but Rick just likes to needle me a little bit. I, I knew you were going awesome. to ask that other question. I just had it in well anyway. Thank you so much for having me. Darcy, thanks for coming on thanks, and getting Darcy. up early with us. Get back to the donkeys. See you, see you in a few weeks. <laughs> All righty. Bye. All right. Darcy Brewer there from the bye. California Capital Air Show, her flight school. She is just, she's one of my favorites in the industry. She's always doing something new. And exciting and that's in that why in that why we all stay in the business is because of the people in it it's the people it's always yes indeed airplanes got me into it the people have kept me in it and go. by the way shout out to london too eh? the london international air show uh, yeah up here uh with their drive-in format through the roof just an amazingly successful weekend as well so the numbers just keep on rolling and we'll see what uh, what it brings and then our next broadcast, uh, Matt, we're going to have to talk about this big California event that we're in. We have to talk about it, and maybe we can have Kevin Elliott on, and uh, we'll yeah. go from there. But it's going to be fun. Yeah, I have I have several shows left this year, and we're going to uh, I'll start talking about it as they get closer. But that's all for now, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. A lot. Yeah, it was a lot. We're all excited. You say? Well, yeah. Yeah. On Show Center, the Air Show podcast. So long for now, everybody. Goodbye. Just, Goodbye. just text Jill. Just text Jill now. What did you just say?
Just texting Jill to see if she'll let you in. Yeah. <laughs> do you all have tandem bicycles? Uh, we do not because she likes to shift differently than I do. Okay. <laughs> Look at me behaving. 